Welcome to Tough Love Podcast with me, Mairead Lockman, matchmaker, dating specialist and the founder of Love HQ Matchmaking. And me, Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist and relationship specialist. Stephanie, this week we have been very busy. You have been flat out on lots of radio shows. I've been yes. flat out on lots of radio shows talking about um, things to do with relationship, love. Tell us where you were and what you were yeah. talking about. I did. I did a few, actually. And um, one was interestingly quite linked to our last last week when we talked about social media and mm-hmm. the impact on uh on people's mental health, especially when they become come into focus. That was an interesting one last, yes. last Sunday morning on the Anton Savage show. That was good. And then, but during the week, I then was with Pat Kenny talking about uh, red flags, which of course yes. brings us slightly to where we're going to. I actually, yeah, I but saw that on the news talk media, actually, social media. Yes. Yeah, so yes, I was delighted, delighted they did that because in a way, you obviously get a bigger reach when when they, they put it out. But also it was because I think it's, it's a kind of an important piece of information and it was all in relation to things we've talked about before, the coercive control, how to spot the signs. And um, and of course, I'm very, um, like you, very enamoured with Women's Aid, of course, what they do, but also this two into you campaign that they had uh, very specifically kind of focused on the 18 to 25 year olds. It may not be you who needs it. It may not be me who needs it, but maybe a friend who needs help. And I would just, you know, say to people, have a listen to these, maybe back. Also, always go to the Women's Aid website. It's not just for serious domestic abuse. This two into you, um, two into you campaign really helps you to see the toxicity at the early um, part of relationships. So obviously loved all that. And yeah. uh, and you then, Maraid, I think, was it Wednesday you were on iRadio was that? Yes, um, Wednesday I was on iRadio um, and also I was on News Talk last um, Friday with um, with Charlotte Regan, actually was standing in for um, Moncrief and we were talking about um, this new research that's out that says that two thirds of people using Tinder are either married or in a relationship. Two thirds on a dating site. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, this is absolutely incredible. 200,000 people in Ireland use Tinder and so if we look at those statistics, that's 130,000 people in Ireland at the moment are using Tinder that are either married or in a relationship. So, you know, very often, and and it is difficult, the whole reason I have a business with matchmaking is so many people are just disillusioned by online dating. They're disillusioned by going on dates with people, chatting to people, swiping so many people, thinking they've found a good catch. And next thing they're like, actually, I am married or I am in a relationship. And so it's, it's absolutely exhausting exhausting for them and I think if I may say the other the other part of that and I remember you made the point on the radio when you were when you were talking about it was that it also shows not just everybody we don't have to think of everybody as being you know duplicitous sort of there's also a lot of people who are married who are not happy I know and that's what you're you know they're not all as they say you know all men are bastards kind of um, yeah I know you know that that's that way of thinking it's also that there's a lot of people struggling in that in-between space where yes. they're trying to make things work but it's not working out and they're exhausted by that and sometimes they look around to, to almost to answer questions you know for themselves because I would meet that a lot with men especially who would say to me you know well you know I just look out there and I see what else is available to me and and I can you know 
they're questioning what they have and and the misery that they feel they're living in. So, you know, it is a, it is a statement also about marriages that I think it is. To be honest. I think basically, obviously, given that statistic that it is two thirds of users, like the, that is definitely men and women. You know, if that's yeah. if it's over 50 percent, it's more than men and women. But like, I think that's partly why we've done this podcast is because there's so many people that are just existing. There's so many people that don't know what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like. There's so many people that are in too far or they feel like they're in too far. And like, I just want to remind people, you're never too far in. You know, um, I meet a lot of people that are feel like they're stuck to feel like they like the amount of times we've had recently. Um, so if anybody actually wants to book in for a one to one consultation with myself and Stephanie for anything to do with something that's going on with your life that you want to just yes. discuss it out. It's completely confidential. And we've had so many people booking in over the last couple of weeks for consultations. Yeah. And yeah. Can I can I say one thing about those yes. consultations, which I have found very interesting. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. I've obviously spent um, the last 30 years in the one to one consultation and of yes. course with couples. So it's been a really interesting thing to sit with you and to do it, because really I sit in a listening yes. way in the kind of same way as I always would. Um, and it's very interesting how we have um, yin yanged very well on this and I think yeah. people really like it because because what's happening really is you're getting two lessons um, it's very um kind of you know pragmatic and solution focused um but with the with the deeper listening going on also mm -hmm. of why this might be happening and uh, and what's quite interesting i find is that people come with a doubt people come with a question that they're they're feeling you know they're picking up in their relationship or their marriage and what they're really needing most of all is a sounding board That's and it. i I was describing it to somebody recently and I said, it's a little bit like a relationship confessional, you know, except it kind of is we, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We know something. We know a good bit more between the two of us. And uh, and I think that's why it's good. I really like it. I think it is for anybody that is kind of considering coming to us. What tends to happen during our consultations is we ask you to tell us what your issue is um, and you will have written it out at the booking stage as well. Anyway, just a few bullet points. So we've kind of an idea as to what you're, you want to discuss with us. From there, then we talk it through with you. So now, so um, Stephanie puts on her therapist hat, and but I also put on, and I suppose my matchmaker, and and you know the the fresh maybe set of eyes as to what's actually going on out there, and asking yes. some of the harder questions that you know things like have you already made the decision to leave to leave your wife or your husband, and uh, or is it that you know is that why you're here to sound it to us? And it's great because we always give as much information as we can. So people come back for a second session. Um, but it is completely confidential. Perhaps you don't need therapy. Perhaps you just want someone to discuss it with completely confidentially. There's no judgment here. So if anybody does want to book a one-to-one -one consultation with myself and Stephanie, and it's love.ie. And they're big, issues, right? they're big yeah. issues that people they are. And um, and very touching. Um, so, yeah, really something it's, I really it's like. It's a little bit of a, a deep, dark secret for a lot of people that they're coming with. That yes. they're like, I just need to tell someone and they maybe don't want loads of therapy. Yes. They just need to discuss and it. And they don't want to tell their family. You know, I, yeah. I just wrote something recently about that around, you know, love has got tougher. And, you know, mm -hmm. people carry, we, we all do, carry our story very silently within us. And the thing is, when you get, you know, people will say to you all the time, well, I don't want to tell my family. I don't really want to tell my friends because we might fix this up and we might sort this out and I don't want yeah. them to be looking at them differently. So the truth is people are alone with it. They do yeah. feel very alone. And that's very, 
stressful and so that's where it's it's really good it, this isn't yeah. just to advertise just to share no I mean, it just but I, in fairness the feedback has been very good from the, the people that have booked in with us so it's just to share that there is an option here because for a lot of people they don't know where to, to start and also yeah. we get a lot of men coming to us which is great yes. Yes. which is you know and they're speaking about their issues and kind of what they're feeling within their relationship so mm. it is great Mm. Don't forget to share it to the men too, because I've I I think there's a, a great thing, particularly even if you're in a relationship, you know, to listen something to something together that talks about love and talks about how we're different, yeah, and then to have that different perspective on it. Pull pull the podcast apart. I don't mind. But yeah. between you, you can have. Just don't tell us. Yeah, don't tell us exactly. But, you know, you can still kind of be saying, you know, well, I, I agree with that. You know, well, what, what, what do you see in that? So you're getting this, you're getting a discussion going that yeah. is quite different. OK, so this week we decided we would talk about red flags and green flags within a relationship. Um, and I think it's important because there's a lot of people there that either don't know, well, is this normal? Is it not normal? And then also when they're kind of navigating new relationships or perhaps something has changed within your own relationship and you, these red flags are starting to come in because let's face it, we, we do all grow. We all tend to, to change direction within our lives. What are you finding, Stephanie? Okay, so just as a small preamble to the red flags, if that's okay, um, I think it's really important. What we want to do today is try and talk about the more normal red flags, if you like, not the big obvious ones that we've talked about in the coercive control sense. So although these things obviously um, leak into each other in terms of the subject, but but really the, the kind of more ordinary ones. And uh, I would like to start with the rushing. Um mm-hmm. I think you always have to be rushing is a red flag. Now, it may be something that can be born out of something quite benign, but it can be motivated by something insidious. And we have talked about that. So the thing you have to think about with rushing is everybody's entitled to their own timing. And you need to, if you want to go slow, it may be because you have already just finished a relationship or you um, uh, you just are a little more fearful. So you have to be aware of your own timing and you have to honour that a little bit. Okay. Secondly, you have to, the reason you have to think about rushing is, you know, if it's too much in terms of attention, too much in terms of words, too much in ter- terms of gifts, you have to think about this. Why is this happening? And we often say you're in red flag territory depending on how you feel. Yes. So you have to listen to how you feel. That's Trust your, your gut. Heart. Trust your gut. So when it comes to rushing, the thing is, you know, that when you're in those initial stages of love, as I say, you're off your feet anyway. You're, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of hormones running around, a lot of oxytocin around. If there's sex, there's oxytocin. And if there's yep. sex, there's dopamine. And so there's a lot of slight derailment of your, of your sensible self going on. And so you don't really need rushing. That's rushing enough. And and if you have somebody then who, who in some ways is bringing it even faster or, you know, accelerating that pace, you can find yourself, um, you can find yourself feeling really a little bit out of control. Yeah. That's yeah. not a good thing. And the thing is, sometimes the, the motivation for that is quite benign. It may be just that the person you're falling for comes from a very lovey-dovey family, comes yeah. from, has come from a very secure base, doesn't, doesn't have any particular holdback. No. And if that is the case, all you will have to say to that person is, listen, I need to row this back. You may be very happy going this fast, but for me, it just feels like too much. I want it to develop. I want us to kind of get to know each other a little bit yeah. more slowly. <laughs> 
if he can respect that, your partner can respect that, well, then you're in an okay place. You're not in a red flag territory. You're, it's just something uh, you've noticed. And now if they can respond to that and slow down, good. But what if they don't respond? What if it keeps going? What if it gets faster? So what's happening there? You're, you're really what you're doing. What's happening there is you're moving in to the territory, if you like, of the destructive motivation, which is that the person isn't able to respect your boundaries. They're trying to rush you forward. And although they may not realize it themselves, they're moving you into that sort of, how would you say that sort of, um, more dependent state that you feel in when you're in love and that's being rushed at you. So that's why rushing is wrong. I think I think this is important, but I also think you need to watch your own pace as well. So for a lot of people, they might be the person that is doing the rushing and therefore it scares people away. So sometimes I would see that like I say an older couple today, he's 72 and I think she's 68. I sent them out on a date last weekend, like lovely, really decent people. Um, But, uh, you know, like that, she was like, oh, like he wants to meet up again this weekend. And like, you know, I'm not sure and everything. And I said to her, well, like if you really liked him, you'd be delighted with that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you hear it differently because they're maybe they're not the right person for you. Maybe it's their pace. Maybe it's your gut. Always trust your gut and then just say it. You yes. know, just say, look, I think that's just rushing a little bit fast. You don't forget when you start dating someone or, you know, that to enjoy the journey as well. Like it all doesn't have to come so quickly, which I think is really important. Yeah, it's the reveal. Yes. Um, and keep are... it out of the house. I always say this, keep it out of the house for as yes. long as possible. Like, let the courtship continue. Let it um, happen. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm inviting them over on second, third date or forget about that. Let them bring you out. Let go places, go and see things, go and yes. do keep things together. Keep it externalised. Absolutely. Keep it girlfriend, boyfriend. Keep it, keep mm-hmm. it also, um, keep it light because yes. that's, that's how you, it's that, it's that sort of, slow reveal of yourself Mm -hmm. because even if I like you and I are chatting in friendship way over over six months do we still know everything about each other no No, we don't no do you feel you have to tell me everything no we don't no but you tell you a lot yeah okay (laughs) you know what I mean you you get what I mean I know yeah and why would you and and if if the very first time that that we sat down and had a coffee if I told you every single thing about you know like this is a bit yeah yeah you just go whoa you know this is a lot of information (laughs) yeah that's it so put those put those same kind of antenna in place it slow it down is really important. Now, sometimes out of loneliness, I think people also move quite quickly. They yes. can get a feeling that it's good and, and they really, really want it. And I understand that. But it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea for either party, because really what's happening is you're falling in love with love. You're not falling in love with the person. And you're falling in love from a place of loneliness. So yes. like really what I would say if there are people out there dating. So I, I rang a couple there about two, three weeks ago. I sent them out on a date. I sent them out on a Friday evening and they had been on three dates by the time I rang them on the Monday and they basically spent the whole weekend together. And like that is lovely. Okay. Um, but they both come back to me and said they want more people. So it's like, well, it's it's yes. too much. It's too much. Relax. It's a, it's a fling. That's fine. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like once to twice a week for the first month is fine. And then after that, you can build it up gradually from there. But like if you're spending whole weekends with someone the first time you've met them, it's coming from a different place. Exactly. It's a different thing. You are, you. It, it's a physical thing. Uh, you know, Perfect. OK, number two, number two, um, I would say uh, verbal abuse um, or, or 
basically not even abuse. OK, how they talk to you. Yes. I this to me is a huge red flag because I only have people in my life that speak to me respectfully. So if someone doesn't speak to me respectfully, respectfully or has that tone, you know, that tone of, yeah, whatever you think yourself by, you know, that real like mm-hmm. kind of passive aggressive, yes. bullshitty, fine, anything like that. I think that is a serious red flag. And I actually think women can be a little bit more guilty of this than men. Um, But I think the tone and how people talk to you is very important. So like, you know, if you, the way I kind of think about it is if you were to hear someone else speaking to your partner like that, what would be your reaction? And that is, you know, if you'd be happy enough to speak to the to in public or whatever. I recently heard of a couple that was away on holidays with a group of other people. And on the very first night, the guy started shouting at his wife at the table mm-hmm. and, um, you know, this whole thing of you always let the family down. Why, um, why do you have to be such an idiot in front of all of their friends? Mm-hmm. And all the rest of the couples were like, <gasps> now this is like an older couple, you know, but like yeah. they were all like shocked and horrified and like, especially the men, the men were like, will I say something? It's like, what do they do in that situation? But like, this is obviously going on in the background. This is obviously going on you know, at, and I think it's really important that to watch the tone from the very beginning, the yes. first time they speak to you, that is not a good, good way to speak to you. I think straight away you need to say, uh-uh. yeah. yeah, well, that links, if I may say, so what you're saying there is the tone and the way the person is um, speaking to you and any sense of disrespect or any sense of sort of offhandedness that you're picking up. You know, you mentioned before, and I think we can link it with this. It's interesting to see how not not only how the person speaks to you, but how that person speaks to others, especially people in the service industry. You know, when you're out on dinner and barmen and bartenders and all that. I think it's very interesting when you listen to how people, you know, respond to to those and uh, whether they're sort of disrespectful, nice, kind, the tip or the don't. And and I think that's because, if I may say, it reveals something about how they treat people over whom they have a little control or power. Yes. And so I, I would always listen to that. So, you know, they often say, oh, look, see how they treat their mother. Well, I would say, see how they treat the, the waiter. <laughs> yeah. See how they treat people um, in different environments. And that's why it's important to be in different environments. Well, like, Not just to be at home snogging. Will I give you a prime example of this? Yes. Uh, I have a lady working with me in the office here. Okay. And the tone of people's emails towards me versus the tone of some of the emails towards the lady working here in the office can very be very different. Incredible. And, and that's I we literally we're helping people to find love. So yes. don't don't send an email or don't contact us with any tone other than in the in the spirit of love and what yeah. we do. And yeah. so it is incredible just watching that. And sometimes I'm reading back emails and I'm like, why did you reply to that person in that? T-? Like when like, why did you reply to that person if that was their tone? Don't you don't need to reply to someone like that? Yes. Interesting. So yeah. what you're picking up is you have a good uh, radar for aggression, for, um, you know, people speaking mm-hmm. down and being yeah. demanding, being passive aggressive. Yes. And when you say tone, that's what you're picking up. So yes. number two in our 
in our list today is about the tone that you feel you you know this person is speaking to you in. If there's if there's anything about that tone that you don't like, you have to listen to it. Yes. I I, I, I again I come back to how it makes you feel. Always ask yourself how it makes you feel. Does it make you feel unsafe, uncomfortable, or bad about yourself? I, I find this one interesting. How people over time describe their exes. I think it's always very interesting if you find that I, I always think it's kind of revealing if how a person describes the person they've had a relationship with. Yes. Are they are they all crazy? Were they all, you know, bees of some nature? Mm-hmm. Um, or can this person in their description say, you know, see any part that they played? Um, because their accountability, I see, yes. Yeah, because I see that as a bit of a red flag because we all know that in relationships, even in marriages, you know, if you if you make a, you know, you, you choose, you choose the wrong one, you make a bad connection, you thought it was right, but it wasn't, but you play, <laughs> it's never always the other person's fault. No. And, and it's a big red flag if the person thinks that. Uh, so I would be, I would encourage people to look out for that. I think it's really important. Um, I obviously, as part of what I do, I ask people, how long are you single? And why did you break up with your ex? Especially if it's been a sizable yes. one, you know, especially if it's someone in their late 30s or something and they broke up with someone after four or five or six years. And you hear a lot from that. I um, have had clients saying to me that they've have a barring order against their last, no, they actually didn't turn out to be clients, but barring order um, against the last three partners that they had or that they were all abusive or whatever it is, or I don't let them see the children or whatever it is. Now, look, it's not up to me to judge because people have their own life experiences, but sometimes you can see a little bit of a pattern is what I would say. Yes. It's just that I like to hear the line of ownership. I, yes. I, I mean, of course, you know, look, people often leave relationships because there's a toxicity in it. Um, there's, a, you know, maybe alcohol abuse or there's something yes. very difficult going on. And of course, um, but but, you know, I still like I still like to hear people say, well, look, you know, it wasn't always like this. We yes. started off well, but things went wrong. Or um, I'm not perfect myself, but. but I, exactly. It's just that whole uh, externalization of the problem. Watch out for it. Okay. They actually say as well, if you're talking to somebody and you're telling them about your ex, you shouldn't say all the bad things. You should actually say it was, we were friends. It just, we were more like friends. We were more like brothers and sisters. We were more like, they actually say you should keep it positive because straight away you're revealing a vulnerability to yourself, to your new partner. Hmm. You know, Which there's a time and a place. Time. That's yes. it. Five or six t- dates in, fair enough. Have a bigger conversation. But on the first date, no harm. Exactly. So, well, well, this is slightly so number four, I think we're on number four. We all yes. get lost in our numbers here. But I thought I thought it would be just worth mentioning just in broad terms how the person deals with time out when you take time out or you want to take time away. Um, you know, something comes up, even though you're at the, you know, in the first mm-hmm. six months of the relationship, but you had a commitment that you've made to a bunch of girls or a bunch of guys and and how that gets dealt with, I often think is quite yes. interesting and it, it can be quite revealing. Um, red flag, green flag, you know, we can see how it how it goes. But in, in essence, if the person gets angry about it or if they get kind of moody about it, I think it's revealing of something that you need to take note of because because really there's a few things going on there that you have to be careful of. And one is 
Um, friends are hugely important. It's really important that any new partner in your life will embrace that, that they won't in any way be trying to make it difficult for you. Um, you know, I know we're st- inking in slightly there to the coercive control, but it's not, this can be benignly meant. This can yes. be... This is more just a revealing of the self that you may be dealing with somebody who is a little, you know, little, just a little possessive or a little insecure. And look, we, it doesn't mean that people who are possessive and insecure can't have relationships. Of course they can and have good ones. But it's a behavior that needs to be noticed because you will find yourself, you'll feel a bit uncomfortable about it. And that's the feeling you have to follow. I think that's important. Um, one I have as well would be... Um, Dishonesty and lying. It creeps in. And I've had experience of this. It starts small and then it gets bigger and bigger. And you're like, really? You know, Um, I think it's important to to watch that. Small, you know what they say, small acorns turn into big oak trees. And so if they're willing to be dishonest about the small things, what else are they dishonest about? Mm. I just think it's one to watch. I also think as a person, if you are dating someone, don't start with, you know, being exaggerating yourself don't start with telling little lies to make yourself sound a little bit more um fascinating i just think just be yourself just keep it simple no messing you know the way um uh i mean on that vein and a little bit further is you know where the where the profile is quite a mismatch like i know some people you know i know with you you're you're you're, it's different Mm -hmm. with it but for lots of people out there they're on uh, Tinder and the likes and if, to to meet somebody and it completely is a mismatch. I think that's a big red flag, you know, where it's where this person is entirely different to what was presented yes. to you. Whether you like them or you don't, I think that it's um, it's a bit of a red flag because I would wonder, well, sorry, what are you presenting here? Are you presenting yourself or a version of yourself? Is it one that you hope to be or that you're prepared to kind of convince people you are? So I think a big lie in that is is quite significant. Like things that I came across will say back in the day when I was single, even before I was a matchmaker and decided I'd try a little bit of online dating. Um, somebody arriving at a date and then telling me that their name was different. Like the basic thing, like their name, like I don't care. I think his name was John and there was Connor, like Connor or John or whatever way it was. And I just thought this is so weird. Why, why would you not just put your real name up? Your yes. photograph is up. Then like where they work, um, where they live, all of these things. Like when it just doesn't make sense. Yes. Okay. just stop. If they don't want to meet you and if you're doing online dating, like, look, we could do a whole 10 flags on online dating in 30 seconds. So we could like if they don't want to meet in person or anything like that, you know, there's just so many things. If they won't show you a photograph, those sorts of things. But yeah, they all kind of come under the dishonesty and lying. Like, how big is it? If they, you know, if they tell you straight off the bat, look, I don't have it on my profile, but that's fair enough. Like if they don't say they have children. Yeah, they yes. don't say that they have children and next thing you're talking to them like, look, I just want to tell you I do actually have two kids or three kids or whatever it is. Mm. Like, that's not lying. That is just like a protecting the time. Yeah, choosing, choosing the time. The, time. But, but the, the lying is the complete untruth. Yeah, it's the absolute lie. Yeah, that's to be watched. OK, so really we've looked there, Maraid, at some of the just simpler ones that tend to leave people wondering, are they in the right place or not? Yeah. And if I can just summarise and we can go to the end of that and then we can go on to the green flags. But I think it's just to say the thing you have to follow is the way it makes you feel. Yes, absolutely. That's your that's your guide. That's what you have to check out. And if you have if it is a red flag and it makes you feel, as I say, unsafe, uncomfortable, um, 
or feel not good about yourself. We didn't talk a lot about criticism, but you did talk yes. about the tone and things that don't make you f- feel good about yourself. You're in the red flag territory. And the step then is you ask and you ask for a change. You look for a change. And if that person responds healthily and well to your what you want, you know, what you're saying, you're not comfortable with whether it's going too fast or the love bombing or too much of this, mm-hmm. too much of that. And they can respond to that. Well, then you're in a dance that's going somewhere. I think it's important to also realise, OK, so there is this little thing that happens and it's a personal observation from being a matchmaker for so long. I call it the six week freak out. There's just yes. this little period of time that I think it's important to think about. OK, you're a couple of weeks in, you're really enjoying being with them or there's something that's still propelling you forward to want to keep on meeting them. OK, mm-hmm. so yeah. you're a couple of weeks in, you know, you like them, you've maybe started telling people about them and everything. However, you may not have had the conversation with them at this stage. You may not be officially boyfriend and girlfriend. You may be still living apart from each other. You're still trying to synchronise your um, calendars, locations, everything like that. And what I would say to you at this stage is sometimes we can confuse red flags that are not really red flags. They're just trying to amalgamate two pe- two adults' lives together that are busy. Yes. Um, when you're at a very vulnerable time of falling in love, because falling in love is a vulnerable time. Starting to date someone is a vulnerable time. Your heart is wide open. Like you've already realized that you like them. You're jumping in with two feet. But anything could happen. You don't know if this is going to be the last date. You don't know if they've pulled back. You're probably reading a little bit too much into it. If you're a female and you're after having sex with them in the last even day or two, your body's going to be flooded with dopamine, your adrenaline, oxytocin, all those lovely things that makes you think that you're in love. All of those things. So before you start waving red flags that are not red flags because this can sometimes happen as well. Sometimes people say to me, well, that's a giant red flag. And I'm like, "Mm, it's not really. He sounds like he's busy. That's right. Um, Just take a breath. Yes. Just take a breath. Okay. Maybe what I would do is just take a breath, sit down, write it out. Is it genuinely a red flag? Mm -hmm. Is it something that could be like communicated? Like it's very difficult to communicate at the very early stages because you may not be boyfriend and girlfriend. So how do you communicate? I don't like when you do this. And so just watch that, that you don't self-sabotage. And what self-sabotaging tends to be is that you are so vulnerable in the situation in this context, you're so vulnerable in the con- in this in this situation that you self-sabotage or you end the relationship or you do something that they'll end the relationship in order to predict the outcome, to control what the outcome is going to be instead of just letting it flow. You're becoming a bit of a therapist yourself there, Marie. Oh, yeah, I sure love this all these sessions. <laughs> Um, but look, we will go on to green flags then because yes, look, we, we've talked and obviously then as well with the red flags, we haven't touched on a lot of things that we've done full podcasts on. Yes. We've done full podcasts on addiction. We've done full podcasts on coercive control. It's not always at that level. OK, these are just the little things that just to watch out for, just to kind of feel out and start as you mean to go on. If there's an issue with it, nip it in the bud. How do they react to you nipping it in yeah. the bud? Those sort of things. Because in many ways, Marie, that is the motivation with this. I mean, I, I've... Uh, we want want people to feel we were taught so little about relationships um, growing up. I know they're bringing it in now in school and in college about consent and all the rest. And that's all great. And they need every bit of it. But the truth is we're ve- we all go out there really, you know, very naked, if you like, in terms of relationships. And it's a bruising business, especially if you have any bad 
any bad um, experiences early. And we're just trying to really give people a sense that, you know what, you have your hand on the steering wheel here. Yes. You, It's not that you must control it, but you must influence it. This yes. is a journey you take together with somebody to try and build something very special, but you must be an equal, completely equal party. Moving closer, pulling back. Yes. That's what it's about. And I just want everyone to feel that control and to feel free. It's not to challenge behavior. It's not to call people out. It's really, you know, it's just to mind yourself and have the skills and the competence to mind yourself in yeah. relationship. And also and to, to make sure that something. you're not one of those group of people that like their husband or wives on Tinder. Because this is where it all starts. This is where the healthy relationship starts. Is that these? It's like starting as you mean to go on catching these things, stopping yes. them talking to them the way, stopping them talking to you, you catching yourself. Like we often talk about the other person and their fault, but as actually being aware of yourself as well. How you do you speak to your partner? Are you accountable for your actions? Are you able to say the word sorry? The amount of times that I've gone on dates with people or had friends, whatever, that are just actually not physically able to say the word sorry. Absolutely. So so we'll cover some um, green flags because, yes. So we'll just, we'll fly down some of these. We might just make a a note on them as we go. One, respectful and considerate. Like of the six characteristics that I say everybody should have when they're dating someone is kindness. And I think respectful and considerate falls in under that. I would also say that's why most ladies say they want to meet a guy with a good sense of humour. Because let's face it, if he's good sense of humour, the chances are he's going to be a little bit more fun, playful, as opposed to grumpy and aggressive. Mm. And so respectful and considerate, I think, is really important. It says something about how they can factor you in and uh, and it cuts both ways. And it's the the partnership of it as well. Yeah. And being able to make space for you and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I also think if I can put one green flag in that. uh, Yeah pop in because these were more your ideas so I don't want to take over on it but uh, it was um, how the person listens to you I always think uh, yes. it's, it's a bit of a green flag when they really can and and when you find that they've internalized something you said and they've recognized that it was something that was very dear to you and very meant an awful lot to you or the converse as I say something that was very very important to you and you revealed it to them and they've kind of forgotten about it or they didn't respond to it. Can I tell you, you're good at this because my second point here is good communication skills, of which I have effective communication, including active listening and open oh. expression. That's why I'm laughing looking at you. Yeah. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. it. So good communication skills is good. And like, let's face it, the difference between you dating someone that's emotionally aware and available versus someone that's not emotionally aware and available, are, yeah. it's like worlds apart. Like worlds. your whole relationship is going to be, your whole life is going to be different if the person well, has good communication It's black or not. and white. It's black and white or colour. That's that's exactly it. Absolutely. Um, then a third one then, trustworthiness. Obviously, if you don't have trust within a relationship and we don't just mean because if you look at the characteristics of what men and women look for in partners, both say trust, okay? But yes. women's trust is that, you know, that they're, they can trust their judgment and yes. their strength of character is actually comes under the headings of trust when you look at the characteristics that men look for in, a, uh, sorry, women look for in a male partner. And then trustworthiness when it comes to um men looking for a female partner, they want someone that they can trust to be like, be there and um, trust their judgment. It's it's not yeah. just the cheating on each other. It's the actual like, the, almost the predictability or the consistency. Yes. Trusting who that yeah, person is as a whole. Rely on them. 
Yes, very important. To rely on them, to know, to be able to predict how they will respond. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of that in the trust, that you can trust them to, uh, that if you say X, that they'll take it in a kindly way. You know, there's this yes. kind of, it's the predictability, that's the security that you feel in a relationship, that you're not going to be misinterpreted, um, you know, quizzed, crossed over, all of those things. So yeah, trust. Um, the next one is emp- empathic and understanding. Um, I think this is hugely important. The road is long. Life is long. There's no way that nobody's not going to have any bump in the road along the way. Sure. The partner you have should be empathy, good, good empathy, good understanding. Um, I spoke to a lady recently that told me that she had um, suffered breast cancer. And that her partner at the time, even when she'd lost her hair and was going through all the very difficult stages of it, that he had said he didn't want her telling anybody because it showed like a vulnerability and um, a weakness within the family unit. Now, I'm sorry. What? Like, I've certainly meant that. Yeah, don't don't tell tell anybody. anybody. Like, hid her away. This is like, it's 2023. Mm. Like, bloody Mm -hmm. what, what year? What? What century are we living in? Sorry. Yes. Um, and basically told her to hide away. And um, yeah, it just shows. So and it, it, at the initial stages, this is when this starts to show if somebody has empathy, as understanding and empathy for others, like, you know, their kindness to animal, their kindness to children, those sorts yes. of things. Well, their um, it, ability, it shows up. It shows up it, their ability to adapt their pace to more vulnerable people. So like when yeah. I go to visit my grandparents, sometimes it's like I'm running all around the place. Granddad's 95 next week and granny's 92. And mm. so it's even just being able to slow down and just be able to, OK, you know, decompress in the front door. Yeah. And it's mm. that's very important to have those characteristics. Now, yeah. I would say as well for yourself, if you're a very empathetic person, I think it's really important that you would mind yourself as well because sometimes if you're an empathetic person you give people way too much of the benefit of the doubt or you give way too much of yourself and I think it's very important you still stay very stable in who you are very you know don't give too much of yourself as well at the same time yeah mind yourself a little more because you also feel a little more when you're the empathetic type yes so you have to kind of mind that yep Um, next then is shared values and goals I think this is really important I also think it's why most of my clients are actually Irish if I'm honest because most people tend to want to date somebody or to marry someone especially if they're going to have children somebody with very similar values and goals like most clients that come to me I know it sounds very old-fashioned but they tend to be 95% 95% Irish, they tend to be 95% Catholic, non-practicing in the most case. Um, but they still, even though they're not practicing themselves, when I ask them what type of religion they'd be open to, they tend to want similar mirroring of who they are. And I yeah. think it's that shared values and goals. Um, again, people's type of lifestyle, if they, you know, they don't necessarily, uh, you know, depict what type of job that person might want to have. But I do think they want to find somebody that is um, kind of similar lifestyle compatibility. So whether they're very active in sport, whether they have a certain level of disposable income and lifestyle then to go with it, I think that kind of comes into play. People like people like to be somewhat, you know, they like commonality, common ground. You do, absolutely. I mean, the other obvious green flag that people always think about, I think, is that uh, socially, I often think that it it really shows up when you go out. This is why it's really important to go out and about um, into company. Um, It's how you operate 
within that social structure. And I think that's very revealing. If you can, you know, if you can work well together, like say at a party and one person goes over and introduces others or spend time on your own back together. Or when you go out socially, this can be very revealing when you find Mm -hmm. somebody who cannot let go of you and who and or who is too demonstrative in an almost uncomfortable way. Yes. So so there's a clinginess and a distance and all of that that can all these things can be revealed socially. So they can be green flags. I know I dipped into the red flags there. I know, but that's okay. But I would say as well, like and I think it's really important that we realize this. For people, um the biggest thing that if you want to invest in one area of your life as to increase your probability of finding love and having more friends and a happier life, very few people say this but like invest in your personality develop your personality learn how to have fun the amount of people that I have met in my life journey worked with everything as well as people coming to me for matchmaking that you know they they have never been shown how to have a personality um, or to have a laugh or to be independent or comfortable within their own right. Mm. And so I I think it holds people back in all areas of their life so you know maybe develop that Books yeah. like uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I think is a really great book. Mm. Um, you know, it's the basics of good conversation, the art of great conversation, listening to people. Some people just talk, talk, talk. Um, some people are not genuinely interested in the person that they're talking to. Some people, like you said, don't co- don't contribute at all. Some people are way over the top, yes. just take over the conversation. I remember when I did the dating events at Table for Six, um, I had to put it on the, you know, guidelines for the night. We would recommend that you should at least be contributing, you know, a certain level, but don't take over the conversation. Yes. You need to to say that. You'd have to say it because some people wouldn't talk at all and other people would never stop. Um, We all know people like that. And it's it's the problem with that is it's excluding. So back to the relationship. So so how do you how do you and where do you see these things? You this is really a point that I would like to make is not within four walls. You can't see them all. It is in the interaction and the living of life and the going out and about, Mm -hmm. uh, not just the two of you. Of course, you have to have the the, the initial time together, together, um, but gradually to bring in friends, yeah, their friends, your friends together at your pace where you want it. But mm-hmm. the, the, the truth is then what you get is you get an opportunity to look at the person in a kind of a third party way. That yes. can be very difficult to to do when it's just the two of you in the bedroom or over dinner at the house. So so get out of the house, stay out of the house and, um, and uh, open it out. Now, all of that doesn't happen instantly. I know because we everybody holds back a little bit with meeting friends because you don't want your, you know, you don't you don't want your your all of your views sort of tested by friends and and all of that. It can be too early. We don't want to. Yeah. Oh no. I think, and I also think. Yes, they're all happy for you. They're trying to meet your new person, like not until you're like properly dating, like going out, you're in and out relationship. He's your boyfriend, you're the girlfriend, whatever title you want to put on it till you're actually making plans for your future. Because sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh, I'm going to invite them to a wedding next week. No, you're not inviting them to a wedding next week. You don't even know this person. You don't know what they're like when they've had five or six drinks on them. You've only ever had one drink with them. You know, just relax yourself for a moment. Slow it down. Again, pace. I I do feel we almost could do part two to this, I have to say. I know, I'd say we could. Actually, I feel we really covered about five of each, but I think they're kind of helpful because they're the kind of things that we all know, 
we don't really talk about um, and uh, we don't always share them. So I just hope they've been helpful for people to have a little listen to today. We probably talked a little bit too much about our time at the beginning. I'm not quite sure, but okay. um, I think it was good and lovely to see you again, Maureen. Yeah, you too. Look, if anybody wants to book a consultation with myself and Stephanie, again, it's 100% confidential. Um, we just listen to what's going on in your life and um, just give our thoughts on it in a very, I would say, generous way. Um, so look, if you would like to contact us for that, it's toughlove.ie. Again, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please, would you like subscribe and like, leave us a, a nice five star review. We obviously do all of these just from our experiences week to week and we would love to just get some lovely feedback from you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Marit.